Hey everybody, thank you for joining us again for another episode of the Golf Life Faith Podcast. My name is Jace Barber. I'm one of the hosts of the show. and We are pumped you've joined us again. This show is a bonus episode and is a really good one. We sit down with Scotty and Meredith Scheffler to talk about the past four months and all that has happened in their lives. From Scotty winning his first tournament at the WM Championship to Scotty four-putting to win the Masters by three shots. <laughs> what an incredible four months. One of the common themes you'll hear throughout today's show, though, is the idea of finding your identity in Christ. Scotty has mentioned on numerous occasions that he can play golf in total freedom and with great peace because his identity is in Christ and it's not in his golf score or his career success or how much money he makes. Those things are great and allow him to provide for his family, but his hope is not found in them. So what I wanted to do real quick was give an overview of this idea of identity before we get started so that you can understand what it is and why it matters. The world would tell us that we can find our identity in ourselves. We can look inward. It can be found there. That's not a great idea considering we're all broken, we're all sinful, and we all have a tendency to be extremely selfish and want exactly what is best for ourselves without looking around us and seeing how our decisions affect others. We're also told that we can find our identity in our work, in our finances, relationships, school, maybe reputation. I mean, the list goes on. The problem with all these things is that they can be taken away in an instant. The year 2020 was a great example of this. Many lives were lost, careers were ended, relationships were broken up, retirement accounts were, were drained, and so many other things were taken from us. If your identity was found in any of those things, you would have been completely devastated and hope would have been completely absent. But if you found your identity in Christ because of the truth of his word and all that he has said over the course of time, you could trust that he's in control. You can trust that he's always has been. You can believe that he will never leave you nor forsake you, like his word says. God is unchanging. He is fully reliable. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you find your identity in him, you will never ultimately be let down because he has proven time and time again to be trustworthy. It is important as you define your identity that God is not just an aspect of who you are, like I'm a Christian, I'm religious, I'm spiritual. But understanding your identity in God starts with understanding who he is and what he says about himself and what he says about you. Your identity can be defined by who God is making you to be in his image. If you put your faith in Jesus, you have a new identity in him. The more you get to know Jesus through his word and time and prayer, the more you will understand your identity in him. Romans 8 says this, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It goes on to say that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. As you listen to this podcast today and you hear Scotty talk about why winning the Masters didn't change his life, this is the reason. He understands that those things, those exterior things, can be taken away. They can collect dust. They can't ultimately satisfy his soul. But walking in relationship with the creator of the universe and being a child of God, being made in the image of God, it cannot be taken away. It is a worthy investment to put your identity and the creator of the universe, because it can't be taken away. When you surrender your life to Christ, you begin to understand that you're loved, you're secure, 
You're forever a child of the one true king. And he is trustworthy and worthy of our praise. I hope that this makes this idea of identity clear and that you enjoy listening to Scotty and Meredith share their story. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Golf Life Faith Podcast. My name is Jace Barber. Generally, my co-host for the show is Toby Ragland, but for this special episode, we have added the president of CGF, Brad Payne, and our guests on the show today are Scotty and Meredith Scheffler. Uh, Scotty, Meredith, thank you so much for joining. Um, and we'd love to just kind of give us a recap of the last three to four months and the whirlwind that that has been. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, the last few months have been a little crazy, but we've been having a ton of fun. Uh, you know, you don't get to enjoy success too often in golf. And so we're definitely trying to uh, enjoy the moment and um, enjoy, you know, the, the good things that have been happening. But yeah, it's been a little crazy. Yeah, what have been, yeah, Meredith, what, what have been some of the, maybe the best, like the highlights, but then also like some of the harder things that have come with the success? Um, I guess highlights have been just, it's so exciting and awesome that Scotty's worked so hard and that this has been dreams of his and for it to just all happen um, while we're married and together has been really, really sweet and it's so fun to see him so elated and excited and see that fiery competitive side come out. It's been fun. Um, and then our friends and family have been so sweet and celebrated us so well. And it's been pretty humbling the way they've come around us and just loved on us, but also checked in knowing that this is a lot that happened all at once. And honestly, I definitely got pretty overwhelmed after Bay Hill. Scotty had just won it two weeks before and you kind of think, Oh, that's, you know, it's not going to happen again soon. And then it happened again soon. And I think I got sucked into social media and I cared too much what people were thinking or saying about me. And I just got sucked into it and I read comments and let it get to my head and kind of steal my joy in that moment. And it ended up being a blessing, being able to talk it through with Scotty. But I think I just was overwhelmed at not feeling prepared or equipped or ready for this, but pretty humbled pretty quickly knowing that it's not up to us, anything that we do. Yeah. Just a little background on what she's talking about. Um, after I won Bay Hill, I was on the driving range warming up just in case there was going to be a potential playoff. Um, and so I hadn't celebrated. I hadn't done anything. I hadn't seen my parents. I hadn't seen Meredith um, since I finished the round. And um, what Meredith was referring to was um, a woman from Golf Channel came up to interview me right after the, uh, I think Billy missed his putt. And during the interview, I saw Meredith and Sam like running across the driving range to see me. And so I just asked, I was like, hey, do you mind waiting one second? I gave Meredith a hug. I gave Sam a hug and we kind of celebrated it. And there were some people on social media that said some negative things about Meredith for interrupting the, the interview. And uh, I mean, I think that's why they put the camera there right after you win is they want to see like the real, like natural emotion and stuff. And so that's why I interrupted the interview and said, Hey, do you mind if I just, you know, celebrate with my, my family here for a quick second. And some people painted that in a negative light. And then um, we learned very quickly to kind of stay off of that stuff. Because you don't want to, it's not fun to read negative stuff about yourself and it's hard to not have that affect you. And um, we, we learned very quickly that we don't read the comment sections anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Brad, you got anything with that? 
Oh, um, yeah, it's humbling just to kind of listen and, and talk and walk with y'all. Um, what do we want to do today is kind of just kind of start back on Master Sunday when you're in the press room mm. and uh, the gentleman that's kind of controlling the interview, uh, he asks you a question and he says, hey, how does it feel? And you said something to the nature, Scotty. I, I didn't get to the press room in my dreams. What a great answer. I, I didn't get this far. And so as you look back over the last couple of weeks, um, kind of letting it set in, you know, winning, uh, being world number one, winning, what, four times the last couple of months. Uh, have you, like, how are you thinking now, you and Meredith, um, as you have sat and, and laughed and cried and celebrated, uh, and one of the things that <clears throat> we talk about often is, is that um, the Lord celebrates with us in our successes as well. And a desire to accomplish is sweet to the soul, which is in Proverbs. And there's a sweetness to just um, getting into your dreams and accomplishing those. And so how does it feel now looking back? Um, I mean, it feels great. I think a lot of it is kind of, it's kind of a weird feeling. Like, I think part of me still doesn't believe that this stuff's actually happened. Um I'll kind of poke my head every now and then back in the room and make sure the jacket's still there. <laughs> that actually did happen. I didn't just create all this in my head. Um, but it's it's kind of funny because I think that like, um, how do I say this? Like a lot of the joy surrounding like the master's win is all like in that moment. And so like that moment after winning is so like insanely joyful. But then after that, like when we get home, we celebrate, but we're still living kind of our normal lives. I think that was something that Meredith and I was, it was important to us was that things still felt normal at home, um, which has been really cool. And it definitely has. And so most of the the joy and celebration is all kind of in that moment and that night. Um, and I, I think a good example of that was Austin. Um, after we won in Austin, I remember last year I'd lost in the finals in Austin and we had a ton of friends in town, all a bunch of college friends, a bunch of our friends from Dallas. We had this whole great crew there of you know, pretty much all of our closest friends. And last year I lost in the finals and we went out to dinner after and just had a great time. Um, and then this year, outside of taking a few videos for Teddy's Instagram, the dinner was pretty much the same vibes. Like we had a wonderful okay. time. We celebrated, but last year we were celebrating too. Um, and so I think a lot of the, the joy and celebration is really just kind of in that moment of winning. And I, I think that's why some people get let down when they, when they finally accomplish what they're looking for. And it's just a moment in time. And then you wake up the next morning and it's like your, your actual life inside hasn't really changed. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Mayor, anything like what's over the last couple, couple weeks, as you look back and just his success and so forth, as it's kind of set in uh, anything you want to add? Um, I think it's been sweet to see how Scotty's handled it from like inwardly, just his humility in it all. And you kind of see a different, you kind of, you can't really prepare, prepare for it. And so just the way that he's been bold in his faith and who he is and whether it's at home being the same man or on the course being the same man and not letting it defined him has been really cool and encouraging for me to see um, the way that he's made 
it seemed like such a team effort. The way that he's made me feel so a part of everything has made me feel so loved in such a unique way. Um, I think he really views marriage as a oneness and it's really sweet that he does that on the course and off the course. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's been something that I just been really sweet to see him care and love for me in that way. Uh, Scotty, anything? Uh, anything uh, what? Uh, in regards to what she just said, in regards to that team aspect, um, where like when you win, uh, we laugh about it. Uh, like, well, yeah, I hit shots. Uh, but there is that sense where, yeah, we did it. It's where the two become one. And you so often, uh, Scotty, talk about we, it's mm-hmm. me and Meredith. And me and Meredith, when you go out and, and play and you might be gone for a week or two, she's sending you out. Um, as an extension of the Scheffler family. When you play, she's not just a bystander, but she's there with you. And that's the beauty of when two become one flesh. That's- yeah. And you may, and you may have not noticed it, but when you mentioned winning in Austin, you said we won. You didn't just say I won. So that's a testament to it. Yes. Good job, Scotty. Good job. <laughs> Let me just say I made no putts the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but like for somebody listening, but there are going to be some people who listen to this and don't understand that. Like they, they just don't understand that concept of, you know, we are one, this is a team effort. Um, so kind of talk into that a little bit, Scotty. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a team aspect in all things. And I think a lot of that has become so easy for us because we travel together. And so when we're at a tournament, it, even just from a worldly sense, like, whether it's Meredith talking to me Sunday morning at the Masters or if it's even my clothes in the morning or making sure I have my snacks on the course and like making the protein balls that I eat every day. And like, it's really, Meredith is so supportive of me and all the things that we do that it's so simple for me to, to treat it as a, a we thing because just from a worldly sense, like she really is, you know, part of the, like my team when I'm playing golf. Um, she keeps things simple for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, marriage, we really have become one and, um, everything is ours and we're a team trying to attack these things. I don't, I don't really do anything on my own anymore. It's kind of like, it's the equivalent of having a caddy on the golf course that I really trust. Like Teddy, you know, we talk through every shot and there's not many decisions I go through in life without discussing them with Meredith first, unless I'm trying to surprise her with something. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's go back to that, like fast forward really Sunday morning. And one of the great pleasures I get to do from time to time is um, get to officiate uh, dear friends. And one of the um, one of the great memories I, I've had over the last probably 10 years is uh, standing with you two um, and watching, you know, with Scotty right here in front of me, watching Meredith come down a very, very long aisle uh, uh, with her daddy and her laughing and crying at the same time, which was one of the more beautiful things uh, I've ever experienced. And then my, my good buddy, Scotty, just crying uh, really uncontrollably and reference back to um, Austin at the WGC. I uh, was walking with Meredith and her dad and, um, one of the things uh, his dad or her dad said to me was just go, Hey, Scotty, he's become a godly man. 
And Meredith kind of talked a little bit into that. You know, I think we were like on eight and your dad just in that moment of Scotty playing, I only know who he was playing with and it really doesn't matter. What a sweet moment it was of your dad kind of talking to me and saying, Scotty's become a godly man. And then you attested going, he, he is dad. Yes, he is indeed. And I'm so impressed with how far he has come. And I'm so excited just to, to walk with him and have him lead our home. Talk a little bit about that, Meredith, and we'll go into the Sunday morning of the Masters. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's been one of the coolest things of my life is just getting a front row seat at how the Lord has just taken Scotty's heart and how he's just fallen in love with the Lord and just pursued him the way it's really encouraging. He has just pri prioritized that and um, he prioritizes being around, which is funny because you're on this, but being around older men that love the Lord, he is so hungry to grow and learn. I feel like he's a sponge and he really prioritizes being around older godly men and guys our age um, and couples our age that also love the Lord. And that's just because he always has this hunger to grow and to know the Lord more. Um, yeah, watching him just pursue the Lord and chase after him makes me want to do the same and makes me want to prioritize time with him, time with the Lord like Scotty has. And it's been really sweet to see. Um, you can see it on, I mean, obviously it affects every aspect of your life. So some people maybe didn't notice it until the golf course and you can see it on the golf course, the way he handles himself. You can see it at home. Just everything about him now has a different purpose. And the, it's just been really, really cool to see. Yeah, the Lord has kind of transformed his life like he has done with all of us. And mm -hmm. so the markers that you've seen is being around older people, being around uh, godly folks that are your age. I would equate that to the latter for myself. I, I still think I'm 25, um, even <laughs> your dad. Um, it's kind of a weird, gosh, in my eye, when I look in the mirror, I'm always reminded like, oh my goodness, I'm getting old. Uh, but in regards to kind of some markers, um, older, older gentlemen, um, anything else, Meredith, that you've seen kind of that is a part of his discipline of daily life that you're seeing him of what he used to be back in college. And then when he came to know the Lord and then into marriage and seeing him kind of grow anything else there. <clears throat> I remember in college he was started really being adamant about spending time in the word and that was something that was encouraging for me to see I think I loved reading Christian books and Christian podcasts no knock on podcasts we're on an amazing one right now but just the, he knew the importance of what the Lord says in his word and Scotty I think just knew that and knew that's where he's going to learn and that's where he's going to grow and that's where he's going to get to know his father better and so I would just say his discipline for time in the word is has been I think huge for his walk just looking from an outside good and one of the things that like Scotty you and I and a bunch of other players we um we spend time reading books together and, and it's just it's formative on how uh when we look back over you know the next in five years from now I pray that through just reading God's word, walking together, we're 
we're different, um, that the Lord is continuing to mature us because he is faithful to do that, as Philippians says, that he will continue to work, continue to work uh, in his faithfulness to mature us into the likeness of his son. And we just kind of do the work um, in a good way, which is make much of him and enjoy him uh, each day. And so, Scotty, give us just a, a kind of on a sidebar, just your spiritual journey, really high level of going, when, it, when do you feel like you, you started getting a grasp for uh, the gospel, which is the good news that brings great joy, um, where you, you came to, to faith? Um, kind of what, when did that happen and when did you kind of start growing in the Lord? Um, well, I grew up going to church with my family. Um, I literally never paid attention. Um, pretty much the gist of it. I mean, yep. I, didn't, I didn't really understand who Jesus was or who God was. Um, I always thought of him as kind of like as far away kind of overseer type of thing. Um, and then when I got to college, Meredith and I had actually just broken up because we went to different schools. Um, and you know, I was alone. I was away from my parents. I was away from home. I was in a totally new place and I was pretty much lost because I was in this big school. I didn't really know anybody. And, um, one of our friends actually started taking me to church. And I started to learn kind of about who Jesus was, um, you know, what he did for us. And then I started kind of going to some CGF stuff. I think the first retreat I went to, I went for maybe a night. And then as yeah. years went on, I started to go for longer and longer periods of time. Um, but I think the, the Lord just kind of opened him up to me in a gradual sense. I never really had a uh, kind of one of those aha moments where it was like, oh, yes, I immediately believe everything in my life was transformed. It was kind of more of a, a slow process where um, he kind of gradually took over, you know, various parts of my heart. Um, and I would say, yeah, that's, that's probably high level right there. Yeah, good. Um, so let's go back to Sunday morning. Uh, the interviewer Sunday night at the Masters just asked this question. He says, hey, how did you handle the late tea time today? Uh, he asked you what you did last night and you went to Chipotle and spilt it all over the place. Won't go there. But what did you do this morning? And it was just a very innocent question, but how you answered it was extremely profound. And the last time I ever, uh, last time I had seen you cry was when you were right there beside me uh, when we are um, marrying you two. Uh, and you said, this morning was very different. I cried like a baby. Um, and, he go, and you just continued on. You said, I just felt overwhelmed. And then Meredith kind of stepped in and just really uh, gave you some great wisdom. Um, and she cared for you as a team and really pointed you back to your identity of who you are in Christ, um, pointed you back to um, kind of a lot of truth uh, to battle some of the, the whispers that were going into your heart of going, I'm just not ready. So just talk uh, to us about why did you feel like you could be so vulnerable to not just to your buddies, but to the really the world watching? And it really didn't even uh, cause a check in your heart of going, gosh, I can't I can't show um, frailty here. But you were very vulnerable and with great strength. And it comes down to identity. Yeah, I would say for me, I think growing up, I was always very prideful. Like I was always believed that I was the one I could do good things. Like I could do well in school. I could excel in sports. I could, you know, be a good student to the teachers and like be a good friend and all 
trying to always do good things. And I think one of the most profound things in my walk of faith was um, recognizing my need for a savior, um, not believing that, that I could connect with God, but believing that God was the one connecting with me That's good. and just really recognizing my need. And so I didn't even really think about it but at the time during the interview, they asked me how my morning was. And I was like, yeah, my morning's stuck. Like it was a really hard morning. <laughs> and I, I wasn't really thinking much about it at the time. I just kind of told him what happened because that's what happened. Um, I was really stressed out. I was worried. I was, had all these different thoughts going in my head. It's such a long morning. Yeah. And I really was, I was just crying. And, you know, I talked to Meredith that morning because, you know, she's obviously around in the house and I'm sitting there watching the coverage. She's like, I think she asked me, she's like, how are you? And I was like, and i'm a cryer i always have been so it's nothing unusual for Meredith to see but uh, (laughs) i I think in that moment i i felt like i just needed to share the actual truth of what goes on because i think you know sometimes you know people see everybody sees stuff from the outside and so when you watch maybe me on tv or they watch the coverage they're like you look so calm out there how how are you so calm and all these things and it's like well you know, me, myself, I'm not very calm at all. <laughs> um, you know, it's what the, the Lord has done in my life. And so in that moment, I just wanted to tell him exactly what was going on and just be honest with people. So Meredith, kind of share a little bit of kind of how you cared for your husband. <clears throat> well, I was the mess the night before driving to Chipotle. Um, I was super overwhelmed and just was talking to the Lord about it. And I felt like he, the Lord really put truth into my head. And so it was really, really sweet from that. Then the next day when Scotty was feeling the same way that I was feeling the night before, I just shared exactly what I felt like the Lord had put on my heart. So it was sweet of him because I don't, I'm not very good at verbiage as anyone who's listening to this podcast will see. So I think the Lord just really used that moment to kind of bring truth to both of us. And I think that it was really cool that the Lord did that because I think that if the day had played out without both of us having that moment of feeling overwhelmed, I think we would have been super prideful um, and we would have maybe let it get to our heads. But that morning, the Lord reminding us like anything that happens is because of me. We can't control an outcome, good or bad, and kind of broke us that morning and made us rely on him, which I think was such a gift that that happened that morning and I think it gave both of us peace throughout the day that we wouldn't have had if we were relying on our own strength mm-hmm. anything else there Scotty no I think that was really good what she said at the end the Lord kind of breaking us because that's something that I told Mary that I struggle with is like being really prideful um and like I would say it's easier for me to rely on the Lord when things are bad than when things are really good and yeah. so in that moment, I think that was him kind of breaking us down again. Like, um, I'm still the Lord of the universe. And just because you can make a few birdies doesn't, doesn't mean you're this, this great you know, person or whatever. Um, and so I think that was really cool looking back on it. Because um, yeah. it really did give us a ton of peace kind of going into the rest of that day. Just because, um, you know, I realized like kind of why I was playing and, and who I was playing for. Yeah. And we are not peaceful people like at all so the fact that the lord gave us peace throughout all that it was clearly him not us <laughs> yeah and and 
we're called to kind of minister to each other's hearts on putting truth into things that uh, we feel because feelings are very real. They're just not very trustworthy. And so we feel like the, the bottom is dropping out and you reminding him of, Hey, and you were able to hear this Scotty because of in a sense, what you just said, your neediness. And so the Lord softened your, your heart to hear some truth of going, um, Hey buddy, or Hey honey, or Scotty, you need to hear this, that, uh, your, your savior is the one who gives you peace because he is a person and he is the Prince of peace. And if you have that person who is your life and it isn't a part of your life, it isn't Scotty, the golfer, uh, the husband, and also, yeah, he, he is a Christian as well, but no, it's, I'm a Christian who is married to Meredith. I am a Christian who plays golf. I'm a Christian who on and on and on all that stuff that's, after can be taken away but as an adopted son as paul apostle paul talks about in galatians romans and really throughout of all of scripture there's this thread of i'm an adopted son of the king and my security is safe and can never be taken away because it is an act of what has been taken place two thousand years ago and i can rest in that and so meredith you were reminding him of really whose he was which is you you're an adopted son and you have peace. Now go play out of that peace. And what we're called to do as you know, your best friend, Meredith and Scotty, your best friends to remind you uh, in the moment of frailty of great strength, which is found in him and not in your self-effort. So your significance is found in him. That is your identity, which is safe and secure. Um, so peace is found in the great person of our, of our Lord. And you, you moved on into kind of your work and kind of playing and ringing out your talent, Scotty. Um, and it's really beautiful because I, you compete in everything. I mean, good night. When we play basketball, you, you're going to get injured one day at one of our retreats or when you play pickleball, anything. Um, I think quote, you said, I've never lost in ping pong. I'm like, good night. You need to get better competition. Uh, but it's that competitive edge of anything you do. And I appreciate that, but playing it out into your greatest gift, which is golf, um, that weirdness of being a Christian. And we, we often are portrayed as weak. Uh, you, you push through that and like, no, that's not biblical. Uh, I'm called to ring out my talent. Just talk on kind of how you approach golf and, when you said you were a mess, but once I walked onto the golf course, when I got into kind of the bubble of inside the ropes, I was able to concentrate and go to work. Yeah, I think for me, the hard stuff's always been kind of off the course. So like the morning's harder than actually playing around and doing the sport and what I've prepared for is simpler because I don't have to really think about it. I'm just out there competing. So um, it goes back to kind of the reason why I play golf and, you know, I feel like the Lord has given me a skill and I'm trying to use it for his glory. And so when I'm at home practicing, you know, I practice really, really hard. And when I'm in the gym working out, like I, I'm, I'm working really hard because the Lord has given me a skill and I'm trying to use it for his glory. I'm not working really hard because I want to make a ton of money and win all these tournaments. Um, all that stuff will just come. And so for me, that's what it looks like right now is I feel like where I'm supposed to be is out on the golf course playing golf. And so. Like when I showed up the golf course on Sunday, the masters, I really felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. 
and I've prepared as hard as I could to be in that moment. Um, and I've done everything I could to play well and perform. And if I perform well and win, then great. And if I shoot 80 and fail miserably, then that's great too. Um, whatever it is, the Lord's going to use it for his glory. And uh, that's kind of what I always go back, go back to. And so that's why inside the ropes, when I'm competing, I'm trying to win and do my best because that's where he wants me to be. And he's, he's created me to be that way. Um, I think that's one of the kind of the cool things about how, how God creates us. Um, because he really, like you say, like whatever we're doing, I'm competing at it. He's kind of wired me that way that, that I, I love to compete in whatever it is. And so not viewing that as a negative, but trying to use it for his glory. Yeah. Meredith, in, in, in watching him, you have any kind of further insights into that, just how he competes? <clears throat> um, I mean, he's super competitive. When you said ping pong, we had this conversation last night and currently looking for any takers to <laughs> battle him and beat him. But he, I think um, that verse I always think of that every good gift is from above. And Scotty does have the good, a great gift of golf. and he's going to steward that well and work hard, whether that's working really hard and never winning or working hard and winning a lot. And I think I have a lot of respect for um, the way that he does use it for the Lord and not for himself. Yeah. And there's a quote, Scotty, from you, you were on a podcast like a week or two before the master's. And this is kind of a summary of it, but you said at the end of the day, if I win the masters, it's not going to perfectly satisfy me. I know it's not going to change my life. It's just something that the people in the media get to talk about. But when I come home, my life is still the same. I'm pretty sure you talked about playing roomy cube on the back porch with Meredith. Um, but my, my life is still the same. My life is not different just because I accomplished something. I think the flawed thinking we have in this world is that you'll be perfectly satisfied if I accomplish these things. And so I think it's a testament, though, that you've been walking with Brad, you've been walking with Sam, and you have all these friends out on tour um, that you're spending time in the Word with and you're walking with that have kind of proactively you know, set you up for this moment. Because you said that before the Masters. Um, I think that's just a testament of not just reacting in the moment, but being proactive in that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's what I kind of keep going back on and saying that our lives are still the same because let's say I won the masters and Meredith and I were fighting a lot at home or I hadn't been treating her the way I'm supposed to treat my wife and either neglecting her or just things weren't good at home. I'd win the masters and we'd have this joyful moment, this amazing time winning the masters, but it would all be about me and I wouldn't be able to enjoy it with Meredith. And when we get home, we wouldn't be able to truly sit in the joy and, you know, bask in the glory of winning the Masters. I mean, it's such an amazing feeling and amazing accomplishment. And um, if things weren't right at home, then it wouldn't be worth it. And so um, I think that is kind of the flawed thinking that all of a sudden, like if I was to win the Masters, then I would be perfectly satisfied and everything would be great. But me winning the Masters doesn't improve my marriage. <laughs> it doesn't improve my friendships with anybody off the golf course. You know, accomplishing something in my work you know, it's no different than one of my buddies making a huge private equity deal and, you know, having like his biggest moment in his career. But um, it's different because no one posts about it in the media. Like he's not allowed to tell people. And um, it's just kind of one of those things where um, 
just because I accomplish something in the public eye doesn't mean I'm going to be perfectly satisfied at home. You know, winning golf tournaments isn't what ultimately satisfies my soul. And one thing to add to that, he mentioned um, friends, and I think we've seen such the importance of having friends around us that have the same values and purpose in life and love us despite whatever's happening on the golf course. I think that that's something we've really, for the past few years of being married, um, have really been trying to be intentional about the people we're around and we're so grateful for people that will hold us accountable and call us out if we need to be called out and honestly don't really care. They care because they care about Scotty, but don't really care about what's what he wins or doesn't win. Yeah, I think I think being an athlete is kind of weird because um, people see your accomplishments and think that just because other people are seeing your accomplishments means that you're going to be perfectly happy. And it's just kind of a weird feeling when you think about other people in their jobs. Um, it just so happens that I don't know really exactly know how to phrase it, but like if we're talking about one of my friends making a huge deal or getting a promotion, like it's not something that's publicized. And so like once they get their promotion or whatever it is, yes, they're happy. They're going to enjoy it. They've worked hard for their promotion, but unless they tell us about it, like I'm not going to be able to go over there and celebrate. So I think it's kind of a weird balance by people watching you accomplish something and like get my promotion in golf by winning a major um, that people think all of a sudden you're just going to be perfectly happy. Um, I, don't, I don't really know exactly how to phrase it, but yeah. I think it just goes back to kind of being in the, I don't know, maybe you can speak on that, Brad. Yeah. Yeah. So when you look at, so you walk into your closet and you look at your green jacket, um, or when does the trophy come? Does it come in a couple of weeks in a year, 10 years? What? Anybody, I don't know. I don't have my own, the only trophy I have is from Austin. I don't know where Phoenix and Vail are. Maybe Bubba will let you borrow one of his for the time being. <laughs> yeah. What's the chances of that? Like 1%? If I called Bubba and asked to borrow one of his. Yeah. Just for the time being. Yeah. I should call him just to see. <laughs> yeah, let's do that after this. So when you look at the green jacket, um, like what kind of what comes to mind? And because you don't want to devalue an accomplishment, but kind of put it in the right order of going, uh, there there should be a welling up of gratitude of going, thank you, Lord, for the culmination of all the work, all the effort. And it's a team thing because your, your daddy took you to the golf course. Um, he could have take you, taken you to ballet, um, not say anything wrong with ballet, but he took you to the golf course and you worked hard and you cultivated that, cultivated to that, uh, to where your gifting and your discipline kind of intersected and it continued to grow. And then this happened. Um, and so as you look at the green jacket, what, what comes to mind, you don't want to devalue it. I mean, it, it was a win and you bring people in and you celebrate together because we're made to be in fellowship with other people to celebrate together. Um, but then you leave the closet and you go about your day, but you're still grateful. Um, it's just a really a reminder of really the grace that you have been given, not just that week, but the grace you've been given uh, in being a son and being a daughter of the father of his faithfulness to you. 
Yeah, so I would say first thoughts when I do like look at the jacket is I'm like, wow, that was pretty freaking cool. Like I cannot believe we were able to do that. That's like what I kind of talked about at the beginning. Like sometimes like when I see it sit in the closet, I'm like, okay, it's still there. Like that really did happen. Like I cannot believe the the blessing and the gift that it is to win that tournament. And um being able to celebrate with friends yeah. is amazing. We this last week here at home, we basically had like what felt like a four day celebration with our friends. Like we did the first pitch at the Ranger game and we did a stars game. And then we had a party for West Dallas community school. Then we had a birthday party for one of our friends over here. And it felt like a, like a four day celebration. I got to wear the jacket out twice. And uh, we had so much fun with our friends. I mean, we had a great time um, getting to enjoy that with them. I mean, the, the Rangers and the stars, you know, gave us a suite with like a bunch of tickets and, it was so cool just being able to enjoy all that with our closest friends. And I mean, it was awesome. And so it's one of those deals where I just cannot believe that the Lord has gifted us with, with such a tremendous amount of joy. And like you said, I mean, we worked really, really hard for this. I think um, one of the cool things about the way the Lord has wired me is one of my favorite things to do is practice. Like I love practicing. And I tell Meredith, like when I'm out at the golf course and nobody's around, I'm able to practice. It's like one of the most joyful things for me. Um, and I don't know why, I guess that's just how it wired me, but having to actually see that pay off and being able to wear the green jacket and do all this stuff and enjoy it with our friends is, is so special. And so I'm just so grateful. And I still can't believe that, that he's gifted us with, with such a tremendous amount of joy and, and what an honor. Hmm. All right. So you're talking about the green jacket. Um, I didn't realize this is pretty funny. So the green jacket came with a booklet. Have you read it yet of what to do, what you can't Memorized. do? I have not read it yet. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I don't have the energy to read it, but essentially they, they gave me some stuff that I'm supposed to wear with it. And um, I believe I'm the only one that can actually take their jacket off property. And so when I'm, when I have the jacket for the year in which I have it, I feel like one of the things they told me about when they gave it to me is I'm the one kind of, when I put on the jacket, I'm representing the Augusta National Golf Club. So um, I have to look presentable, clean shaven, you know, wear my butt down with a tie and look presentable, which for me is difficult because I'm very lazy with my attire. And so um, that part's been kind of funny. Meredith's been making sure my clothes are seen when we put on and everything. Um, Cannot mess it up. Yeah. No. But I, I want to treat it with respect because I, I, I am kind of the one representing Augusta National and it's such an honor to be able to actually take a jacket off property and wear it to a Stars game, wear it to a Rangers game. Because um, it's a lot of fun and I don't want to, you know, ruin that privilege. Yeah. It's so funny when you threw that first pitch though at the Rangers game, there's a picture of you yeah. like coming coming through and I'm like, that button is holding on for dear life. <laughs> it's just like it's like, man, I want the I want the strength of that button in my life. That's what I need. They knew. <laughs> All right, so bad. let's go to the very end, 18th hole, 72nd hole, and we laugh about it. You're the you're the first person and probably the last person in the history of Augusta National to say I four putted the last hole to win the Masters, and so walk through when did you know you're going you're going to win, uh, and then the emotions and then the the laughter and really asking Teddy after you were trying to make your four putt going okay how many how many more times can I hit this before, before we go into a playoff 
kind of just walk through kind of from uh, fairway to uh, I putt, I putt, I putt, and then I make. So I didn't break focus once that day until I got to 17. 17 was really the first time I broke my focus. And um, I guess going back, it's such a long day. It's a long morning. It's a long round. And I was not playing my best golf on Sunday. And Teddy and I kind of had a conversation after I pulled another shot at number four. And I was like, hey, Teddy, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, you know what? He's like, just trust your short game. He's like, you're chipping and putting it great. He's like, just keep trying to make decent swings and you'll be fine. He's like, just, he goes, basically just trust yourself. Trust you can do this. Um, and we had a conversation. He also talked about Tiger and, you know, um, I think Hank Haney did an interview or something a few months ago and said that, like, Tiger was one of the worst at bringing it from the golf course or from the range to the golf course. And his range sets were, like, the craziest thing he's ever seen in golf. And um, Teddy kind of talked to me about that. And it was just a quick conversation we had for maybe a minute. I think we were walking down maybe the fifth fairway. And he was like, uh, he's like, just keep trying to make good swings. He's like, all you can do is just try to make good swings. Just trust that um, – trust your short game and just try and stay in the moment. And that's what I did. And eventually I started to, to play good golf, but you know, most of the day I was not playing great. I just kind of stayed in the moment and grinded it out. Um, and so when we got to 17, I was tired and I had to pick a five shot lead. Behind. I was like, all right, like I can, I can kind of limp my way in now. And I still wanted to finish well. I made a terrible swing off 17, just lazy swing, not thinking I hit it way right. And I got kind of frustrated. I was wanted to finish the tournament off correctly. And I got right back in the moment, made a great par. And then once I felt like I got the ball onto the green with the lead, I was like, okay, I can get the ball into the hole. Like once I actually get onto the green, like you can only not put it in the hole so many times. Yeah. And so after I got my second shot of the green, I was like, yes, like we won, we did it. And I always wanted to have one of those moments where you're walking up 18 with a huge lead and being able to truly enjoy everyone cheering, Cameron um, was really gracious. He, he um, was like kind of ahead of me in the fairway. He stopped and turned around and he's like pointed me up and like let me have kind of the walk, which was really cool. Um, he's, he's a really gracious guy. And um, Teddy, I really enjoyed that. And then I think I, I was, so I was just above the ridge and that putts really fast. And my only thought was like, I really wanted to make it. I was like, man, this would be really cool to make like a 30, 40 footer to win the Masters by, I guess it would be six. I was like, you know what, I'm going for this. And I think Cameron was still inside of me. And so I didn't want to mark like a six inch putt. So I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to send this thing at the pen. And it went like four feet by. And I was like, okay, cool, mark it. Like, I'll just knock this in now. I missed that one. I actually hit a really good putt. We, we aimed the putt. Um, Teddy and I decided to line up between inside left and left center. And I hit a great putt to kind of like chop hop offline and missed the hole and I was like dang that's good that was a really good putt like I've been putting great this week how, how could that putt not go in like that's weird you know <laughs> and um then I had like a two-footer and I was just kind of laughing like people are cheering I'm like gosh I want the Masters this is amazing I'm like, <laughs> and I missed that one because I think like at the last thing I took the putter back and I was like oh wait I should lag this one like I'm gonna win and then I missed it and it was like the range are so fast it's down home. I have like three feet I'm like what the heck is going on? I just missed another putt. And I kind of start laughing, and Teddy walks over, and I just kind of start joking. I'm like, Teddy, how many shots do we have? And he goes, hold on, hold on, wait. Looks at the board, he goes, all right, you're at, you're at 12. Or is it seven? That's five shots. He goes, and he starts counting. He goes, one, two, three, four, five. He goes, this is for six. He goes, 
Um, what do you say? Because this is for six. You got three left. Um, so lag it. <laughs> because, because this is, yeah, he started counting the putts. He looks at me, he's like, yeah, yeah, this is, he goes, this is your fourth putt. You got three left. Lag it. <laughs> he just walked away. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll lag it. So I ended up making that one. And that's why I was laughing so hard after because he, once again, Teddy has this great skill of being just totally unfazed by what's going on. Yeah. Um, he's really funny too, which is, which is a great skill as well. So he was able to make you really laugh at that moment. Talk a little. Talk. He's going to break my four putt record anytime soon. Hopefully, no, not. I don't think so. They do tip of the cap for that. <laughs> yeah, they intentionally did that just to stick it to you. They'll probably point <laughs> yeah, you with seriously. your jacket, like ha ha. So everybody, so everybody knows that Ted's. I, I want to say it wasn't his first event, the RSM, when we did the first podcast. Yeah. yeah so I mean, just talk a little bit about because, like Ted, I love Ted unbelievable guy um great caddy but just like as a guy he's he's awesome um talk a little bit about that relationship how it's helped you on the golf course a little bit um and then we'll we'll wrap it up here soon brad okay yeah um teddy on the course is fantastic he works extremely hard um like extremely extremely hard he comes prepared he knows exactly what he's doing and so when he gives me a piece of information out there i have full trust in that he's giving me the correct information um, and it's kind of like how I talk about preparing for the round and like going into the golf, going into the golf course on Sunday, just telling myself, like, I've done everything I could to be ready to play well. And if I don't, then that's just not the Lord's timing. It's not because I didn't prepare hard enough. And I believe Teddy approaches it the same way because of how hard he works. Um, and so just first and foremost, it's so easy to trust someone when they work so hard like that. And then personality wise, I mean, the guy is hilarious. Um, <laughs> our friends joke that like, they think uh, that Meredith and him have very similar personalities and just really good dancers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so both, I mean, just, they're both so funny. They have great one-liners. Uh, and you know, to have somebody like that on the golf course, like we really have a great time together and he's able to make me laugh in those moments and, and not take myself too seriously. Because like you said, but I am extremely competitive and I get frustrated when things aren't going the way I believe they're supposed to, because you know, I, I, I do work really hard and I prepare and I know how to hit the shots that I'm trying to hit in competition when I don't hit them the way I believe I can, it's, it's frustrating. And yeah. so Teddy does a really good job of, of keeping me in the moment and, and realizing, you know, why I play and, and mm -hmm. just kind of keeping things loose for us. And I mean, we have, we have a lot of fun. Okay. That, yeah, he is, he's great. Um, as we finish up, as we know, and we've walked along long seasons together, and there's just a lot of celebration and victory um, in, in this season, and we thank the Lord for that. But there's other seasons that we walk through, and um, how do you um, kind of minister to each other um, and just through kind of the difficulty? Because golf is a game of losing so often <laughs> to where you don't win every tournament. And I know guys think, well, won about 50% of your, your tournaments over the last couple of months, but it's only been the last couple of months and you've been playing this game for quite some time. And so there are seasons, long seasons of just difficulty and struggle. And how, how do you deal with that? Cause you, you're, you're going to be putting into practice the things that you've learned from yesterday and the years prior. And um, just talk a little bit of, um, on that, Meredith, how you encourage him and vice versa, uh, just in the, mid, in the midst of, you know, struggle. 
Um, I think Meredith does a really good job of celebrating the good times. Mm. I think I'm more the person of, um, like, after winning, let's say after winning in Phoenix, I don't win in, in uh, at Riviera. And then I come home and I'm like, man, I want to win again. Like, that was really fun. And But I'm always kind of on to the next thing, like always on to the next thing. And so Meredith always does a really good job of helping us enjoy these great times, like winning the Masters and you know winning the tournaments I've won the past few months. And she's so celebratory. And um, that's really good for me. And then in the hard times, like we had, there was a couple of years on tour where um, I was close to winning a, a handful of times and I wasn't able to get the job done. And it's really hard. Like there's a lot of pain associated with that because I, I had worked really hard and I wanted to win. And um, I gave myself a couple opportunities when you come up short, you know, there's a lot of hurt there. And so um, in those seasons, I think that really helped us kind of enjoy more the first few wins, just because we, there were some really hard times there. Uh, my first couple of years on tour where I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to win. Like this is like, it's not easy to win out on the PGA tour. Like the guys are really, really good at golf and you have to beat most tournaments. You got to beat 143 or 154 guys. Like you have to beat a ton of people to win a golf tournament. And you know, there's so many talented guys and in the midst of those struggles, I think that's what, what kind of helps us enjoy the, the wins even more. Um, and I, Meredith, I guess perspective too. Yeah. Perspective. Meredith speak to that as well. Um, and then we'll kind of wrap up. I think Scotty does a really good job of being honest of where he's at. He never tries to act one way that he's not. And so after those times when he was in contention or what, but then didn't win or was missing a few cuts in a row, he was super honest to me and let me, let me into those moments and um, cried with me or vented whatever it was. And I mean, that's a gift to, as a wife, to be able to, that your husband lets you in and is vulnerable with you and gives me ways to just kind of hug, hug him and be there with him in that moment. There's not much you can say. Um, and it gives you specific ways to pray for him. But one thing that I do respect about Scotty is after he missed a cut or after he didn't win, it's really hard in that moment. And it's really hard for that hour, two hour night. But if there are friends at that tournament or if we come home or he's able to be so present with me and able to talk about how was your day and we can have a great date night. We can have a great dinner with friends after. And I think that's because he knows his identity is not in the golf score. It's not in the missing cut. Um, and so it's really neat to see how it is hard and that it is painful in that moment. And he doesn't downplay it. He shares it, but then because it doesn't define him, he's able to move on with life and love me well that night or love on our friends or family or whatever it is. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Um, as we finish, uh, whether you, what you got Scotty, what's that? I was just going to, I was just going to say, I think one of the, like the, the best parts of, like our first year, year and a half of marriage is like, I had a really hard time early on, like letting Meredith into certain areas of my life. And that's been kind of one of the most special things for both of us is kind of letting each other in and getting to know each other so much better. And um, I think I was always kind of afraid to. Mm. And so 
letting Meredith into like my my hardest moments makes those great moments even sweeter. But having her being a part of the difficult ones, she's able to speak truth into my life, and I'm able to speak truth into hers mm-hmm. when she's struggling. Um, and I think just letting letting her in is what has been really special, kind of for our first year, year and a half of marriage. Yeah, it's good. Amen to that. Yeah. Um, one great joy, one, probably my greatest joy is just seeing uh, people come to understand the gospel and then it take root and it's it kind of cultivates and, and grows and grows and seeing that play out in their relationships and so forth. And so you're just been a testimony to um, what Jason and I get to do is a worthy endeavor. And the apostle Paul took great joy in whatever circumstances uh, that he was in because his greatest joy was the furthering of the gospel and how it takes root in individuals' life and how it continues to um, develop and grow into people, family, cities, and nations. And so whether you are um, a golfer or a teacher, it doesn't matter. Um, Just seeing you guys grow into the likeness of the sun has been one of the great joys in my life and watching you uh, see it take root. And so thank you for letting me into your guys's life and walk with you. Um, it is fun. Um, but more importantly, it is, um, a worthy endeavor. And so thank you. Uh, anything else and we will be done. I think that's good. I think maybe we'll, we'll end on one question. Scotty, can you give us a hint into what's going to be on the champions dinner, uh, next year or any, uh, idea of where you're heading with that? Um, so I've already messed with a couple of the past champions. Like we saw Trevor Inland out of dinner when we were in New Orleans and he goes, man, Scotty, I hope you can have some fine wine for us to drink at dinner. And I was like, Trevor, buddy, I don't like wine. All we're drinking is beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'm sure you guys could probably predict most of the stuff on the menu. I'm pretty much a meat and potatoes guy. And so love that um, jalapeno cream corn, which Meredith has still yet to learn how to make. <laughs> um, you got one a few more times. <laughs> <laughs> no, just I would say that, yeah, maybe cheeseburgers, fries. Um, nice. That was my celebratory meal after the Masters was they asked me what I wanted to eat. And I was like, I have to get like a burger and fries. Triple That's cheeseburger, good. must yeah, say. Awesome. Um, That's so, awesome. Yeah, just some, just some good meat and potatoes. So. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much again for hopping on, Scotty. This is your second time. And a lot's happened since then, but God is still good. Uh, it's the same God through the, the highs and the lows. And thank you so much for just opening up a little bit and letting us see um, into the shufflers. So thank you guys. Yeah, thank Thanks, Jason, Brad. You're the best. We'll talk to you guys later. Uh, Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Golf Life Faith Podcast. Whether you're a college golfer, a coach, or you just love golf, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at collegegolffellowship.com. Also, check us out on Instagram at College Golf Fellowship and on Twitter at CGF Tweet. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and be on the lookout for the next episode next month. Cheers.